My name is Micah. I'm the lead pastor here at the church. And this last month as a church, we have been focusing on the themes of Advent. Uh, if you don't know what Advent is, that's okay. Neither did I until, you know, not too long ago. Um, Advent, the word means the, the anticipating the arrival of something. But the themes of Advent are, are hope, peace, joy, and love. And growing up in a church where we didn't do Advent, those were always just like meaningless words to me. I'm confessing that right now. Like I was like, oh, cool, whatever. And I would say that this year, uh, something has changed from week to week as we have zoomed in on these, not just as sort of churchy language or Christianese, but these are the experiences we all, whether you consider yourself a Christian or not, desperately long for in our own lives. And let me just quickly touch on them to illustrate peace. How many of you would say that you need more peace? That we, as a human race, need peace. And we can look outside for sure. We can look at things in the world and say, we need peace. But man, if we're honest, we desperately need peace in our own hearts. We need hope. I read several uh, studies this past week that show that there's a direct correlation between your level of hope and your mental health your physical health, even your academic success. There is a tie to hope and better sleep. How many like the sound of that? Okay. Um, healthier relationships. So when the Bible says that Jesus is our living hope, that is not an insignificant statement. As humans, we also need joy. Not just fleeting feelings of, of happiness that we find ourselves continually chasing, but abiding, lasting sense of well-being and fulfillment. And then the final theme that we look at in the month of December is love. Again, not just a feeling, but that rare, unconditional, ever-present reminder that I'm not leaving you. I'm not going anywhere. And then hopefully something in that list sparks something in you where you say, yes. I need that. We need that. And the beauty of Advent is that it culminates, as the word Advent indicates, it culminates with the celebration of Christmas, with Jesus, who is the perfect embodiment of all those qualities we desperately want and need. And I was thinking this week how when we list off peace and hope and love and joy, those are like, like colors in the spectrum of light, you know, throughout the Bible, light is a theme, but Jesus is referred to multiple times, many times in the Old Testament and the New as the light, or as we've already sung tonight, the light of the world. And so I wanted to just take some time uh, as we're gathered here to talk about that, because not only is light a central theme in the Bible, if you read it, it just comes back around over and over, but light is especially prevalent at Christmas. You look around pretty much everywhere you go, there's lights on houses, there's lights in trees, there's light festivals, light parades. Light is a theme. Would you agree with that? Um, my wife and I, we have six kids, and we haven't done it actually in the last couple of years, but we used to drive around and look at lights on houses. Anybody into that? And like they would actually time the radio station to the like beat of the lights. I don't know if they still do that, but that was, that was epic. But um, in the time of driving around looking at lights on houses, I, I learned that there's two basic kinds of neighborhoods. There's the neighborhoods where you can tell that they're not messing around. This isn't a joke. There will be winners and losers by the end of the year. Um, those are incidentally the ones that are fun to drive through. But uh, I actually found a picture of a house in Arizona here that maybe was a winner, at least in the, the final group. 
So like I hear a mix of like, whoa, like Christmas threw up on their front lawn. But, um, but then there are other neighborhoods or houses like, like our house where you can, it seems like they maybe had like lights they took out and they threw them against the house and some of them caught on the gutter. And you're like, let's just leave those ones there. Um, I went to put up lights this year and I had one strand that worked and a bunch that didn't. And so I threw those away. No, I don't go through the little light bulbs. I'm sorry. Um, but so I had one strand that worked and I hung it up in the middle of the house and then I quit. And my wife finally outed me on social media a couple of weeks later and she put this picture up there. <laughs> it was not my intention. It just happened that way. But I think we can all agree there is something beautiful about a, a, a beautiful color of light. And I read this week, at least part of the reason why this is the case is that when we see colorful lights, it actually releases dopamine into our bodies. If you don't know what dopamine is, it is, uh, basically produces happy feelings in your body. Exercise releases dopamine. There's lots of other things, but, but seeing colorful lights. And so it, it makes sense that when we see a beautiful light display, we feel good. Biologically, something is happening, but isn't it also interesting And doesn't it make even more sense that Jesus, when he came into the world, revealed himself as the light of the world? This was something, by the way, that was written about Jesus hundreds of years before he came to earth. Um, Probably the most well-known we've sung a little bit of tonight, Isaiah chapter 9. To us a child is born. If you know it, you can say it with me. To us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You know, as we list those things off, I think of yet another example of like the colors in the spectrum of light. Like like you're hearing these things, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince, and you're like, which of those will he be? And it's like all of them. Because four verses earlier in a lesser-known statement, Isaiah leading up to that well-known statement says of this experience, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And then he goes to talk about all that that light will entail for us. And guys, those people walking in darkness, that's all of us. Apart from the illuminating presence of the one who made us, we all walk in darkness. Jesus came to bring light into the world. But the way the Bible describes this event isn't like God flipped a switch and the lights came on and we went, there it is, and we're all good, right? Um, It's described multiple times as a sunrise. The the dawn of a new day, a new era in human history. Uh, The Old Testament book of Malachi, it's the last book of the Old Testament right before you turn over and you get to Matthew, the first book of the new. But the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi, he looks forward 400 or so years to this future event that God was going to send light into the world. And here's what Malachi says, for you uh, who fear my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. Now, we may not agree on our interpretation of the meaning of of love or hope or joy or peace, but I think we could all in this room say, we need healing. Our country needs healing. Our world needs healing. We, as individual people, need healing. Would you agree with that? 
But the Bible says that comes through Jesus, the son of righteousness who, want, who rises, who brings light on a dark land, who brings healing in and hope to us. This is what Jesus described as the year of the Lord's favor. The sun coming up, a new day, a new era where God removes the barrier that stands between God and people. The animosity, the resistance. Jesus takes it away by paying for the penalty for our sins at the cross. So that we can freely come to God and receive that healing. But as I mentioned after those Words in the book of Malachi, there's 400 years that goes by of waiting and watching and hoping. But then that prophetic voice reemerges in Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 2, through Zechariah, Anna, Simeon, the angels from the mouths of babes, right? Even Mary has a song of her own. And all of the voices are speaking to the same thing. The light is coming. The sun is about to rise. And I wanted to look at just a little snippet of one of those songs, one of those prophetic words today from Zechariah. Zechariah is in Luke chapter 1. And these verses will be on the screen. Just a few verses tonight. Zechariah was a priest at the time. He's also the father of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the one who went baptizing and preparing the way for the Lord, for Jesus. And Zechariah prophesied not only related to the role his son would play, but also ultimately to who Jesus would be. And so in this prophecy, uh, John said of his, or rather Zechariah said of his son John, that he will give people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Notice, I think all of us maybe in our own language would say we need salvation. We need help. And we would generally tend to point out, we would say it's that problem, it's that people, it's that government, it's that leader. But the Bible and the overwhelming drumbeat of the Bible and the message of Jesus is it starts right here. I am the root of the problem, friends. My selfishness is what causes problems in relationships. And of course, yes, it's multiplied out into many, many different people. But Jesus came to bring salvation through the forgiveness of individual sins. But that was John's role, to prepare the way for Jesus. But then he goes on to talk about Jesus in the very next line. He says, because of God's tender mercy, he didn't have to do any of this. The morning light from heaven is about to rise upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide our feet to the path of peace. I love these words because it gives a beautiful depiction of the power of light. And I just want to highlight three things that are, I think, obvious to us, but very relevant related to Jesus and to Christmas. Light, first of all, reveals. Just like if these lights were not on, you would not see me. Light reveals what's there. And so Jesus comes into the world to reveal our need for him. And what that involves is he reveals the reality of sin he, re he reveals the need for forgiveness, but he also reveals how we can find forgiveness in him. Light reveals, and can I just say, guys, this is not one of those situations where ignorance is bliss. Imagine if you're pulled over by a police officer for speeding, and he comes up to your, your window and asks what's going on, and you say, well, I'm sorry, I didn't know. 
That officer may have mercy on you, but we are still responsible even if we didn't know that law. And so Jesus comes into the world and the Bible reveals all have sinned, all have fallen short of God's glorious perfection and the wages, the consequences for that sin is death. But then the Bible goes on to reveal more. It says, but the free gift of God is eternal life through who? Jesus Christ, our Lord. Light reveals not only our desperate need for a Savior, but the fact that God sent that Savior for us. Light also revives. Light awakens. It causes things to grow. How many of you have plants in your, in, in, in your house or the place where you live? How many of you have plants that are doing well? Okay, some of you, hands going down maybe. No, that's good. Um, light causes things to grow. We know that. And that is another aspect of Jesus' light and bringing light into the world. I pictured this week those um, time-lapse videos. I actually found one of flowers that are sitting in darkness, if you will, and then the light comes and they blossom, they bloom, they open up. Light awakens. And Jesus came not just to give us some information or say, hey, here's, here's what you need to know or believe, but to transform us, to do what you just saw on that screen in your own heart in your own soul, that life would come where there has been none. Light reveals, it revives, and finally light redirects. And this isn't just flipping on the switch in a room. This is like a flashlight on a dark night. Light points the way. How many would like more direction in your life? You don't have to raise your hand. More sense of clarity about how to proceed forward in a situation. Jesus brings light. And according to Luke chapter 1, what did Zechariah say? The son of righteousness is going to come and he's going to guide our feet to the path of peace. That Greek word peace means all-encompassing, holistic health and well-being. Peace in my heart. Peace in our country. Peace in your relationships. Peace in Israel. We desperately need peace on every level. And the Bible says that Jesus is the path to that peace. He points the way. He leads us to peace if, if we'll listen to him. Right? He doesn't come in and switch on the light and say, there you go. He says, follow me. I'll lead your feet to the path of peace if you're willing to come with me. So light redirects, and, and not just Jesus, the person of Jesus, but the word of God that he has revealed to us. Psalm 119 in the Bible says that God's word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. If you're out in the middle of the, the woods and it's pitch black out, what you need more than anything is light. You need somebody to point the way so you can find your way out of that place. And that's what God's word does for us. And what that means practically you don't have to wonder what God is like. You don't have to wonder how you, as an individual human, are made to live and to thrive. You don't have to be perplexed and go, why do I feel this way? You don't have to know how to find joy and fulfillment. God tells us. He shines light on all of those questions that we have. He reveals that to us as the light of the world. And maybe you're hearing all this today and you're thinking, that's fine, but you're skeptical. 
because you have such experience of darkness. And you're like, there's no Christmas Eve service that's going to fix that. And I'm wondering whether or not Jesus really actually could make a tangible difference in my darkness. And I want to tell you, if you're there, I get it. You might see me up here and think, well, he's the pastor. Man, I've got darkness. And I get that feeling. Many of you tonight are grieving the loss of a loved one. It's your first Christmas without him. Some of you are super uh, lonely tonight. You're struggling with depression or trauma that follows you around or regret of things you wish you had done differently, but now you can't. So much darkness. And I want to say, guys, as a church, we are committed to acknowledging that reality. Nowhere are we ever called in the Bible to fake it. To say, oh, it's all good because I guess Jesus is here. This is hard. But can I also suggest and offer this, that the beauty of light is it always makes the greatest difference where things are darkest. If I turn on a flashlight in the middle of the day, no one is going to notice. But if you go to the darkest part in the middle of the night and you turn on light, it changes things. And if you didn't know this, if you haven't read the the New Testament of the Bible where Jesus is introduced to us, he did not spend his time with the religious elite. He didn't spend his time with those who had artificial light, had some manufactured sense of self-importance or status or respect from the people around them. He was regularly criticized for spending his time with prostitutes and thieves and perverts and drunkards, and swindlers, and people that still today we look down upon. Those were his friends. And can I be so bold as to suggest those are his friends today? And do you know why? I think part of it is that for all the mess that is represented in that list I just gave, most of those people know they need help. Most of those people know that they are in darkness and they can't rescue themselves out of that. And Jesus, from the first time he stepped foot on this planet, always goes to the darkest places to make the greatest difference with his light. One of the paradoxes of light in the Bible is we can experience light even when we're surrounded by darkness. It's like a little, like a little microcosm, a little bubble of light. I, Uh, One of my favorite verses, another Old Testament prophet is Micah, and he lived in a really chaotic time in his country. There's corruption in leadership, which we don't know anything about, but anyway, he had it. Uh, Treachery in relationships. There were family members and friends that were turning on one another. And Micah, in the middle of this mess, has this beautiful statement. He says, though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. Can I tell you, friends, Christmas isn't just about a baby in a manger and singing songs and whatever. It's all fun. I love it. Christmas is about the fact that Jesus offers you perfect peace in the middle of chaos. Jesus promises fullness of joy where everything around you feels hopeless. Do you believe that? Jesus promises a love that will never fail no matter what you do. That's radical. And the beauty of light is that darkness doesn't stand a chance. 
ever. It's, it's not like they're, you know, equal sort of competitors and, and, and fight. You ever notice that light can dispel darkness, but darkness can't dispel light? In John chapter 1, in the first nine verses of John 1, there are seven references to Jesus as the light. The light, the light. And in one of those, in verse 5, he says, uh, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. Where Jesus shows up, darkness disappears. Amen? Now, it would be awesome if that was like a switch that was flipped. And we went, oh, good. But it's that sunrise. It's that process. It's as we follow him, as we walk with him, more and more we experience less and less darkness and more and more of his light. Psalm 112 says it this way, even in darkness, light dawns for the upright. More and more of his light in our our lives as we turn to him. And so I wonder as we close, what feels dark to you during this season? I know we've got a myriad of experiences all over the spectrum of hopelessness and addiction and, and maybe for you it's anxiety or anger broken relationships where you need Jesus. You need the light of the world to come and dispel darkness. And so I just want to say it again. Jesus as the light of the world reveals, he reveals our need for him if we'll let him, but also his perfect solution for our sins. He revives and awakens our weary souls and he redirects our feet to the path of peace in your own heart, in your family, in your working relationships, in our country, in our world, but it starts right here. That's why Jesus came. And my prayer for all of us, for you this Christmas season, is that you could know by experience this paradoxical light, that you could be in the middle of darkness and yet have this experience of Jesus. Do you want that? I think of that Christmas song that's printed on the wall out there, Silent Night, Holy Night, it's night. But then we go, all is calm, all is bright. (laughs) How is all bright at night? Well, the last verse answers the question, silent night, holy night, son of God loves pure light. Radiant beams from his holy face with the dawn of redeeming grace. Guys, Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Jesus came for a people who were not looking for him. He laid down his life even though he didn't deserve to die and we get the joy and peace and hope and love that we didn't deserve to receive. But he offers this to us not just in some transaction, here it is, see you later, but as we choose to follow him. And that's exactly what Jesus said in John chapter eight, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is the one in the middle of that dark night who has the flashlight. (laughs) You get away from Jesus, you get away from light. Anybody who follows me, who walks with me, will have the light of life. What was God's first act of creation in Genesis? Let there be light. So everyone on the earth has access to the light of creation. But Jesus says, I want you to have more than just the sun coming up in the morning. I want you to have the light of life. 
I want the sun to come up in your heart. I want you to know why you're made and how to flourish and really live on this earth. That's what Jesus is promising you and me. So if you want that, um, you don't have to go to a class. You don't have to attend church for two months. You don't have to give money. You just ask Jesus. So I want to invite Jordan up as we close. And, and just want to encourage you to turn toward the light. And that might feel obvious, especially after all the qualities that we're hearing about who Jesus is. But, but I think I have to say that because Jesus in John 3 admitted that many, many will turn away from the light. And the reason for that, I think, is obvious. We don't want to be exposed. I don't want, to, I don't want some things brought into the light, so I stay out of the light. I say, no, thank you. But the beauty of the gospel, which means good news, is that any fear we would have of judgment or rejection or shame was paid for entirely by Jesus at the cross. And, and, and to the point that where when we step into the light, those problems that plague us actually lose their power over us. Is that good news? Anybody? When we choose to walk in the light, the Bible says, which means we stay close to Jesus and we stay close to each other, those things that weigh us down go away. They lose their power and light replaces darkness little by little. As we, as Jesus said, follow him. We have the light of life. And so I want to give us just a moment before we move to the end of our time together to respond to Jesus. You're listening to me talking. You could listen to me talk for 10 years and it wouldn't do you any good if you don't hear from him, if you don't speak to him and respond to him. And so we're gonna take a moment for you to respond. And for you, maybe that is admitting that you have darkness. Saying, Jesus, you know the sin, you know the darkness that I can't shake, I can't leave it behind. And I need you as the light to come in and dispel the darkness. Forgive me of my sins and make me a new person. Or whatever that is that, that God is doing in your heart right now, give some even little voice to that with him. Let's just take a moment. Jesus, I pray that the conversations that are happening right now um, would continue after this time. That you would draw each person, you would prompt specific things in, in our lives, Lord, that we need to maybe surrender to you so that your light can replace that darkness. I thank you that you bring light into our darkness. And I we hear your invitation to follow you and have the light of life. And I pray, God, as much as we have grace for tonight, that we could respond to that invitation, that we could say, yes, I'm with you. I pray specifically, God, for those who are just overwhelmed by darkness, who maybe even still are, are really skeptical. Jesus, thank you that you move toward the skeptics. 
that you're okay with questions. You can take it. I pray that each person who's feeling that could bring all their stuff to you and not be afraid. I pray that, Jesus, you'd move in and and just as the sun comes up in the morning, that the sun would rise in each one of these hearts and there would be light. There'd be clarity. There'd be life. There'd be hope. There'd be joy. All for your glory. And in your name we pray. Amen.